Thank you for tuning in to the Actback Podcast, presented by Anytown Records. This is part two of my interview with AJ. We discuss his time in the Army, what led him to Austin, Texas, and alcoholism in the service industry. Enjoy. So, you're driving? Yeah. And the car in front of you? The truck in front of me gets fucking blown up by it. This fucking car comes out of the woodworks and just goes underneath them, blows up. I was like, damn, son. Shit. Did it kill them? No, our dude was good. Okay. (laughs) Our dude was good. No one died. Like, my entire deployment, like, we got fucked up a lot, but no one ever died. We only had five Purple Hearts, but none of them were, like, serious, serious injuries. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were uh, head injuries, and, like, one of our gunners had, like, chemical burns to his eyes, but he recovered after a week. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like, we made it out fine. And it was like, damn, son. Like, my truck got hit with two rockets at once and then i ended up i just talked to my medic like not too long ago and he uh he was he ended up telling me uh he kept a counter on how many rpgs i had shot at my truck <laughs> and he said i had you marked at like 25 26 <laughs> i was like oh that's a little higher than i had counted up <laughs> but he was also behind me so he saw shit i didn't see either uh so you just start, you're driving, the car in front of you gets hit with a boom, yeah. explodes. Yep. Does it flip over or just? Nah, the trucks that we drove were designed to get blown up. So uh, what are you, what are you thinking when you see this happen? It's like, damn, this is real. Does the training kick in or? Are there, you... ain't, there ain't no training for that. Yeah. Once the first, like, like the first hit, you're like, oh, fuck. Okay. Is it that there's people out here that really want you fucking dead? Yeah. Is do does things? So you see movies and you hear you know you see things. For you, is it kind of like getting hit in the face where it just happens so quick you don't have time to think, or does everything kind of slow down and you're just like, it's like a sinking feeling, uh, like when your gut drops. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I can explain it as. You're just like, fuck, yeah. and you feel the concussion, and like everything at. Everything leading up to that moment, it's real. That's that's when the shit. You're like, okay, this is it's not a game anymore. Like there is literally shit out. There are people out here that want you dead, and you don't know why, and you don't know why you want them dead either. So, you, at that point, it's just like kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. And that was the first mission, <laughs> and then I ended up. I think I'd have to read the the accommodations again, but I think I ended up covering with my platoon over like three thousand kilometers worth of road and like trail clearing, like bomb clearance. So you made a point just now. You don't know, like, it doesn't matter if you're there and you think the war is a good thing or a bad thing. At that point, it's just like they want to kill us, but we got to kill them. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter at this point who, what your personal thoughts on the matter no. are. It's like, we're all going home. Yeah. And like, we're going home walking. Mm-hmm. So that, that first point kind of sets you in to like the, okay, this is real. And then after like the third or fourth one, you just become numb to it. You start accepting that uh, death isn't, like a thought it's just inevitable inevitable Mm -hmm. and you're like all right fuck man like 
it's either going to happen now or it's going to happen 100 years from now, but I don't fucking know at this point. So just keep going on. Just don't and, dwell on it. Yeah, don't even think about it. You just, like, every, I mean, every fucking day we rolled out, our, like, rollout song was Love You Like a Love Song by Selena Gomez. <laughs> like, every fucking day we were leaving, bro. It's like, it's like, it's like you just get to start, like, fist bumping that shit, and you're, like, you're fucking having a good time, bro. Yeah. Nothing else you can do. And the the fuck else can you do at that point? You're already there. You might as well just do what you got to do. Because... I know this might be annoying, but really, for people who, who haven't served, you can, the only thing we really have is movies and games and stuff. How accurate is it? Like, so a lot of times in movies, it will just be people chilling, and then out of nowhere, shit starts happening. Oh no, that's real. So that that's, that's what I'm gonna ask you. So you'll just be laughing and joking around all of a sudden. Oh yeah, people are just spraying at you. Oh yeah, uh, the time my truck got hit with two rockets, I was trying to pick another song to play, and I ended up playing a a day to remember. And I remember, like, it was, like, right when the drop happens at the fucking song. Right when the drop happens, a fucking mortar goes off next to the truck in front of us, and then my truck got hit with two rockets. And I'm like, fuck! Which is the only word you can say. <laughs> do, do you... So when that happens, what is it like on the inside? Is it just... The, is it extremely loud? Do you, do you oh, lose yeah. consciousness at all? Or uh, The rockets didn't have that much concussion. It was loud. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like someone just started welding outside of my window. Mm-hmm. Like immediately, like fat, like just boom. And the and the car doesn't flip; it just Mm-mm. stays where it's at. RPGs aren't ex- like super explosive; they're meant to penetrate armor, mm-hmm. so they're they're not really like big boom. Like when, in movies, when they shoot RPGs and like shit just blows up huge, I'm like, that's not real, dude. It's like barely a dirt cloud blows up, bro. It looks like a sparkler went off. So it's kind of like hits. how what an actual real, not a movie grenade, but like a real grenade looks like. Yeah, it's just like dirt. Boom. It's just yeah. dirt. The the grenade, the explosion doesn't kill you. It's the shrapnel from the grenade. Yeah. It fucking slices through all your arteries and shit. That's what fucking kills you. The big explosions aren't us. And it's not shit that gets shot out. It's the like IEDs that are the big explosions. Them shits, when they go off, they go off. Mm-hmm. The biggest one I ever saw went underneath. There were two vehicles ahead of me. This one actually like kind of knocked me unconscious. It was like a 600-pound car bomb that they were driving the opposite way down the road, drove underneath my homie's truck and blew up. And like it, we were like about a mile and a half, two miles away from our base and it broke windows on the base. That's how fucking big this explosion was. And it didn't didn't kill your friend. Nope. Okay. And one thing you (laughs) said earlier was you've said this twice. Now you said drove under, like, what do you mean by our trucks were about, like, my truck was almost 16, 17 feet tall. Oh, like, our trucks are big, dude. They're not Hummers. Like, okay. we're driving. I, for some reason, kept thinking of a Hummer the whole time. Nah, dude. We're driving, like, MRAPs, and MRAPs are tall. Mm-hmm. And they're V-shaped hulls. So when explosions, like, our trucks were meant to get blown up. Because mm-hmm. we were the guys looking for bombs. Like, we were meant to go out there and just, like, if you didn't find it the good way, you found it the bad way. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> and then it's no one else's problem anymore. Yeah. So it's like. Our trucks are high off the ground, so like they have the ability to drive underneath them, which is the dumbest shit ever because so, they're meant to get blown up from underneath them. So like, they're thinking just, of like Fast and the Furious, and he goes under a semi truck or pretty something. fucking much. Yeah, like drives underneath <laughs> it, boom, detonates. And that one is the one that like that's the one that like shook the fucking the ground. It was 
huge. And I was like, holy shit. blow your ears out? No, we had hearing protection on. Okay. So, like, I felt the concussion. It kind of knocked me back, and I got dazzled a little bit. And then I was like, holy shit, all my friends are fucking dead. And then you just, like, there's, like, a long pause, like, in the radio. And you hear him just like, two, two, we're all good. And you're like, hell yeah, bro, we're good. <laughs> fucking continue on, bro. We're straight, bro. We're good, we're good. Bro. Let's get the fuck out of here. And other than that, man, it was, like, like those maybe 10% of a deployment is actual action if that if if you're lucky mm-hmm. quote unquote other than that man it's just bullshit around like every thursday we would watch fucking sons of anarchy <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> yeah it was like what we did we had like our little like fake movie theater we made and uh played fucking spades every day just work out every fucking day like maybe three times a day you just work out go on like you work a fucking normal shift it's like four you had four missions and then three days off four missions then three days off or you'd have three missions a day off and a mission just to like make sure you didn't just like a really shitty job yeah it's a shitty nine to five where you could get blown up yeah all the time did and you know i've talked about this you don't want to but besides these encounters was there any things you saw over there that really stuck with you for the rest of your life or was there any kind of even if you weren't like necessarily involved like brutality like Uh, I mean besides the amount of opium dude you just fucking feels of this shit like the major the most exported thing out of Afghanistan is opium Mm -hmm. and it was like Jesus fucking Christ dude this is ridiculous that and then like how they treated other people like the way women were treated over there was fucking disgusting yeah like they're not allowed if if they're even allowed to leave the house they're not allowed to show any of their skin or face and then like they're not allowed to walk in front of the husbands because they're inferior to them the kids are just you feel bad for the kids because you're like, fuck, dude, there's some little fucking kid over in America playing Xbox right now, and this fucking kid has, like, two rocks and a stick, and he's making the best of it. Yeah. And you kind of feel bad for him because, like, for you, you're just over there, like, as a 20-year-old, like, trying to figure out your life, and you're looking at them like, fuck, this is all they have. And there's, like, the simplicity to it, but then you're also, like, it's not just us that did it. Like, the Russians fucked up afghanistan before we did mm-hmm. so it's just like this is par for the course for them dude like their dads have been dealing with this shit since they were kids and now their kids are dealing with it too so it's their way of life is just having an invading force in their country so that's all they know and then we just come back here and think everything's fucking fine and dandy and bitch about stupid shit <laughs> like did um so what are the rules there? What so if you hypothetically were chilling and you see a dude start beating the shit out of his wife, like it's like really you can't not, get involved. Not your problem. Yeah, yeah. We saw it all. The Even if time. you wanted to, you just can't. Nope. It's not it. That's his property. That's <laughs> how it's how it's perceived. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it should. I'm like, fuck. Damn, dude, this shit sucks. Just go, go to America. So, uh, how 
altogether, how long were you deployed over there for? From May, and then we got back two days before Thanksgiving. Okay. The reason we had to come back, we were supposed to be nine months, and we got back early because our vehicles had gone to the point where they got blown up too many times, (laughs) and they couldn't service them anymore, (laughs) so they just said, go home. (laughs) So... Okay, two things. Um, are any of your siblings serving at the same time as you are? No. Okay. And not overseas. Not overseas. And my brothers were in, but they're in the reserves. Reserves. Yeah. So they weren't overseas with me. What was your? What was it like? Finally getting on a plane to leave there. Oh, it was fucking great. Our medic turned around when we got on the plane to like, because you have to go the same way you came out. So we went to Bagram again. Then we went to Romania, and once you got out of the country, you're like, oh, fucking thing. Jesus, we got to Romania, we ate, like, real food again, and, like, seafood wasn't sketchy, because they tried serving a steak and lobster in Afghanistan, bro. I was like, I don't see no fucking ocean around here. I'm not eating this shit. <laughs> I'm not eating this shit. I ain't seen no fucking cows either. <laughs> um, real, uh, real fast, this, how was the last week before? Because I hear about, like, tor- once you hear you're going to leave, then it's kind of scary like the last week like what if something bad happens oh so they send you out in batches right mm-hmm. so you have like first chalk second chalk third chalk fourth chalk so you're leaving in waves uh i was on the last chalk oh fuck. so i was a lot i was like one with the last group to leave and they tried putting me on the left seat right seat rides for our incoming unit and i looked at my platoon sergeant i said do not make me go out there with these people because i don't trust them and if i was gonna die this is gonna be the time i fucking die I made it through this whole point, and you want me to go on this one last journey? Nah, I'm not doing that shit, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, don't make me do this shit. I don't know any of these guys. I don't trust them. Let me stay home. <laughs> so I stayed on the fucking base. I was like, I'm not fucking doing it, dude. I'm not going out with these people. I don't know any of them. And no one even objected to me objecting to go out. They're like, no, nah, we understand why you don't want to go out. It's like, I'm not fucking going home in a box because I had to go do one last mission people you haven't gone out there with you just don't want to do it because you're like i haven't been in action with you so i don't know how you're gonna act yeah no like we i had a gunner who had a guy that shot an rpg at us in his sights and he didn't shoot him and then he started fucking crying and he was like i can't take another human's life i almost fucking killed him like don't you ever fucking do that shit dude like this it's not your life you're you can't take a life. Do you want to go home though? Cause I want to go home. So you fucking pull that trigger, dude. And yeah. I was about to fucking kill him, but my squad leader grabbed his ass and he'd never got in my truck again. I ended up getting Anderson and Anderson was a thug dude from Oakland and he didn't give a fuck about is shooting this, at people, bro. Is this the dude who you told me on the turret turret, just a guy pointing a gun at you and you just blow, exploded him. Nah, dude, he saw like two tracers <coughs> fly by from a, from a fucking distance, he saw two tracers in the sky, and he just started unloading. And I was like, yo, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, hell no, not tonight. And just blast. So, so once again, so it doesn't seem crazy to people. It's, from how you explain it, it doesn't really matter if you want it. It doesn't matter what your personal views are. It's like you got to protect each other. Yeah, I don't think anyone purpose. I mean, some people might, but I don't think most normal. No, there's people, psychopaths out there that want to yeah, do it, but it's but most people don't want to kill someone. But it comes down to it's like I got to kill this guy to protect my yeah. homies. Like, and even then, it's like it comes down to a point where like we had to have positive identification and like hostile intent. 
Like you have to have these things before you can even like think about shooting at a person. They have to basically hold a gun up, aim it at you and start shooting before you can even think about shooting back. Mm-hmm. Or you could go to jail. Yeah. You go to big boy prison where they make you put big rocks into little rocks with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's serious consequence. Like every fucking bullet, you can't take that shit back once it leaves. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you got to think about it. And you got to be ready to like face consequences. If you do the wrong fucking thing. Did you see people like that out there? No. Our unit was solid, dude. We knew it. Did you hear about it? There was no, not while we were out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are, there are a couple like the bad seeds that just make everyone else look bad. Like there was people out there just doing fucking wild shit. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And like, how are you getting away with this shit for so long until you get caught? Like there's people just like smuggling drugs. There was the fucking death squad in like 08, 09. I was like, what the fuck was at what point did you think that shit was all right? <laughs> were there people out there fucking with women and shit? No. Okay. We were never in the position to do anything. I'm not even saying y'all, but you hear uh, yeah. that like you know, gnarly shit. That was Yeah, there's some people that got they did some fucking wild shit. Uh and like it came down to like it's not like I don't want to say it's not the army's fault, but it's that person. That's just a shitty fucking person. Mm-hmm. Like they were going to do this shit at home or over there anyways. So like they're just making us look bad because we're trying to do the right fucking thing. Yeah. And we're just trying to come home, but they're out here fucking around making us look bad. And it was like, you read those stories and you're like, fuck again. Like, why can't you, why can't y'all just, stop (laughs) yeah don't be shitty go home and like enjoy your time and get the fuck out if you want to go do shitty shit do it on your own time don't make us look bad Mm -hmm. and those there was a big thing and like are you know it's like if you don't want yourself to look bad make sure no one else makes you look bad so like we we kept each other in line and like that that ties into like the alcohol thing too it was like Drinking when I was in the army, we drank a lot, but we always had like a check and balance. Like you would make sure your buddy's not drinking too much, and they would make sure you're not drinking too much. If you're doing, if you're going down a dark hole, they would like make sure you like stopped. But then you get out. I'm, I'm going way past deployment. We got home, fucking hopped off the plane in Alaska, and the freshest air I've ever smelled in my fucking life, bro. It was great. <laughs> and then for like the next six months, I was already getting out of the army, so I was just chilling playing PlayStation. <laughs> like, well, you keep having these intense, intense changes where you go from here, then to Alaska, and then you're out in the fucking desert, and then you're back in Alaska. And they tried telling us not to drink on the first forty-eight hours we were back in the states. <laughs> yeah, boy, <laughs> had them dudes with vehicles taking us straight to the liquor store. Like, Fuck that, bro! I'm popping bottles tonight. <laughs> and how much time did you have left on your contract when you got back? We got back around Thanksgiving, and I was supposed to get out in July, but I ended up getting out in June because of the budget cuts. Were they making you do jumps up until that point? I did one more jump. It was probably the best jump ever. It was a Hollywood jump, so you didn't have to wear any kit or anything. It's called a daytime Hollywood jump. It's the cushiest shit ever because it's just you in a parachute. Tom Cruise in it. Yo, it was the... 
And I landed in like four feet of snow. So it was the softest landing I ever had too. I was like, huh, just fucking <laughs> fluffed down. I was like, this is fucking dope. And just like walked off. And I was like, that's it. That's the last one. We. It's crazy. Cause I, I, you don't fuck with heights. Um, what are you telling yourself when you're going up there? Like, especially the first time, are you just like, just do it. Just come on. You got this. Every time I did, it, I was singing the song thunderstruck to myself. Really? Every fucking time. I was just like, ah, 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 <laughs> just waiting for the green light. And then once the green light comes, you just like, thunder, and you just jump out. And like, yeah. that's how I would clear my mind. Does it get like, is it kind of like being on a roller coaster where once you're kind of like falling through the air, it's not as bad? Yeah. 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 You only free fall for like those four seconds. And then, then the parachute deploys. And then you're just kind of floating down. And then once, once your eye level hits like tree line, Mm-hmm. like you just look off in the distance you can tell like when you're hanging up there you can tell like which way you're drifting which way you need to go and like all that and then you kind of just like once you hit tree level you drop your rucksack and your kit and your weapon and everything because your rucksack lands before you do that way you don't have to land with it but you do that and you're fucking gucci dude you have any hairy moments yeah i had a couple <laughs> i had one where the the hole in the parachute you mm-hmm. just look up and you go is the hole bigger than the size of your helmet if so, pull your reserve. <laughs> the picture of you is really funny because yeah. of the face you're making. <laughs> just like, whatever. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I had one where the parachute didn't like fully deploy. And I was falling pretty. I, you can see everyone else floating up there with you. So you're just like, everyone's floating down. And then you like realize that you're going a little bit faster than everyone else, which is not good. <laughs> yeah. And I look up and my risers just never went up. So it was like my parachute was half open. And I just like shook the fuck out of the risers until the fucking thing went up and my parachute deployed. And I was like, all right, we good. <laughs> oh my God. Dude. And then he just fucking land. It was all good. So we'll jump forward to your last day in the army. How did, were you sad or were you at that point over it? And like, let's be done. I was over it. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was 21 and I just wanted to get out and go fucking hang out. And I didn't have any plans. Like I didn't have anything planned after the army. So I was like, fuck it. We'll just, I still had two months of terminal leave, which is like paid vacation basically. Mm-hmm. So for two months I didn't have to do anything. Cause I was still getting paid by the army. Yeah. So, but you were out. Already. I was out. Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of saved up vacation days. Basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Like I had my PTO saved up and I got out. Uh, I got out in June. I flew back to my parents' house in Washington at the time. And I hung out with them. Mom took me to the weed dispensary <laughs> that was down the street. And uh, it was called Mr. Doobies. <laughs> it was dope. <laughs> and then I hung out with them for like a week or two. Actually, it was like two weeks. And then uh, one of my boys, Fitz, who got out on the same day I did. There was like four of us that all got out on the same day. Uh, he got out the same day I did. And he like sent me a text message like, dude, it'd be dope to have 4th of July with you. And I was like, uh, bet. So I fucking packed up the car at mom and dad's and I drove to Indiana. <laughs> and uh, I stopped in Chicago, hung out with family for a little bit. And then I went to Indiana. I was there for like a week or two. And then like all we did in Indiana, I, I ain't never been to fucking Indiana. So I just followed him around mm-hmm. and uh, like just partying for 4th of July with him. And then... I finally got like the second to the last paycheck and I was like, all right, time to go home. So I started my cross country trip again to go back to Vegas. Cause that's 
you don't get to pick it. All your sh- household items get packed up and put in basically a pod, and they ship it for you to your home of record. And my home of record was Vegas, so like no matter what, I had to go back to Vegas. My brother was there, my sister was there, my niece, my nephews. So I was like, I'm going home to see family. And like on the drive back, I was just taking my time, and I'm finally like on this long ass drive, and I crest over the hilltop. And I come over and I see Vegas again. And I just like looked at it with disgust. And I, was just, <laughs> I fucking hate this place, bro. And I was like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but it's not going to be fucking long. Yeah. And at that point, I was just waiting for an hour. I was unemployed for fuck, like four or five months, dude, until I finally got a job. And it was the worst fucking job ever. And unemployment office denied me because I had a part-time job at Abercrombie while I was in the army for beer money. <laughs> it was like me and three other dudes. I'm like, let's go work at Abercrombie. That way you get free parking downtown. <laughs> is is this around the time you started doing the armed security shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that shitty job right there, bro. <laughs> that was that like was one a- of the first stories you told me. I was like, I hated that. We were like, job. yeah, we use this guy's head as a battering ram. <laughs> fucking, that fucking job, dude. Hotel and casino security at I would go into work at 10 p.m. at night and go home at 6 a.m. Ugh. And I had gross. And I had split days off. <laughs> so there was never a time to be a normal human doing that shit, bro. The only thing I had was enough time to go to the bank to pay bills. And I wasn't even doing that right. <laughs> and I was also drinking. I was drinking head. By the time I got back to Vegas, I was fucking deep into the bottle. Like how much a day? I would drink almost a bottle of whiskey. Or tequila a day. Yeah. And then, not only that, I would, like, go to bars. So, by the time I had a paycheck, it would be fucking gone because I would gamble a drink. And I was like, is this fucking life? And then, at some point, my sister finally got fed up with Vegas and she moved back to Austin. And I was like, fuck this job. I'm going to Austin. Well, okay, two things. What was her connection with Austin and also... At any time when this was going on, were you, did you have any PTSD or anything? If if I did, I was so fucking numb from drinking, I didn't even feel it. Like, yeah. I think I was just suppressing everything with the drinking. Like, and I was, like, chasing that battle high with gambling. Because gambling, you can put a fat bet down, and if you win, you get, like, an adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like... There is no drug that'll ever contend with war. That's a fucking fact. Yeah. That shit hits hits a different level of like dopamine. <laughs> but like my sister moved out here in like oh eight with her then boyfriend. They broke up, but she had just like gathered a community out here and I'd come out here a lot when I was in high school during summer breaks. I would come out and stay in Austin. So I had already like had a life in Austin to begin with. So when it came time for me to ask, can I like move to Austin? There was nothing but open doors. I already had a job lined up and I just, I literally like came into it working. So I showed up to Austin, barely unpacked my shit and was already like working at on sixth street, of course. So you're out of the military. You move here. Yeah. The, the time in Vegas, I really don't even remember what was happening. Like it was, that much of a fucking blur to me. I guess, I, I guess, what? I, so it seems like 
from the jobs I know you have has, you're getting these jobs where there might be some type of altercation or something. Yeah. And I guess with the PTSD question, were you drinking because of any, were you drinking to suppress thoughts or were you just drinking because you're an alcoholic at the time? The thoughts were repressed until I hit a certain point in the drinking and then they'd all like the floodgates would open. And then you just like fucking go down a rabbit hole and there'd be times when I would just, I would, I would go outside to smoke a cigarette, but I would bring a bottle with me mm-hmm. and then it turns into a pack of cigarettes and a bottle and you're like passing out, sitting up and you're like, what the fuck Where's am the I? Coke? And you're like, nah, I didn't even fucking like Coke. I was all about the downers, bro. <laughs> and then, uh, like going to, I, Vegas was just such a fucking blur. The, the thing with the PTSD, man, is it's not. I mean, yeah, I have nightmares every now and then, but it's more like being around social interactions with people and like crowded places. And I just start getting fucking anxiety attacks. I'm like, I can't do this shit anymore. And I just, it's not that I want to be left alone. I just want space. I want my fucking personal space. The COVID shit was the greatest. They're like, you got to stay home. Fuck yeah. I was like, oh no, I got to stay home, play video games. <laughs> like, it was it's, dope. I know it's two completely separate things, but the thing with trauma and stuff is. Growing up, we weren't really taught about this kind of shit. Uh, Elliot and I talked about it where it wasn't as normalized. So when you hear about trauma now, if you're talking to a therapist or something, and you'll tell them things that have happened to you, and they're like, oh, that's PTSD or trauma, and you don't even realize it. Yeah. Like, for, for me, it was like, you know, running up in trap houses and, like, you know, watching people overdose and, like, you know, being shot at and stuff. And I guess you don't think about it until later on when you're just like fucked up in the head. You're like, oh, I'm like scarred by this shit. Yeah. And that was, that was the thing is like, you don't, and when you're drinking and doing drugs, you don't realize it. You're just yeah. like, you, normal. Yeah. You're like, whatever, dude. I'm just, I, I feel down and blah, 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 blah. And then like, once I sobered up, that's when shit like really started popping back. I was like, oh, this is, this is the real feeling. Like, this is what the PTSD is. And then like, I finally like went through the process of like talking to people and like going to like the therapy sessions. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like the, this isn't normal, but this is my normal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it might not be normal to other people, but this is like how I see shit. And this is how I have to deal with my life. And I don't see it. Like, yeah, I have the label PTSD and it's a disability kind of, but like I know what I'm comfortable doing and I know how to manage it without drugs or alcohol now and was it easy fuck no no it ain't fucking easy Uh, there's a lot of nights especially in the first year the first year was the hard i told you man the first year is the hardest one because you're rough because you're just like i want to fucking drink i want to fuck this i need to like be numbed to like all these thoughts and then like it just progressively gets better and then you start like i started like focusing my addictions to different things like healthy productive things and that's what that's when like my life started getting better. And that's when like, there wasn't like that self doubt and self deprecation. Like I'll still f- joke around about it and be like, I'm a fucking certified crazy boy. Mm-hmm. But on reality, I'm like pretty fucking normal now. Like, yeah, you, you know, and, and you hit a point too, where you're like, I'm, there's no way I'm ever going to go back because I've relapsed a few times early on like drugs and that feeling of doing that, like relapsing. Cause that you feel w- worse than you did. Yeah. 
And that was the thing about like drinking is not only it's depression, it's waking up the next day and the guilt you feel for getting drunk and all the things you said and all the things you did yeah. and you're looking through text messages. I hate I hated the feeling of waking up thinking, who do I have to apologize, apologize to, to. <laughs> because I did something stupid last night. And yeah. now I just wake up like another fucking day. Let's go do something. Let's build. It's I would say in that first year, one of the things that was crazy is driving home from work and say a cop's behind you and you're nervous. You're like, I'm not drunk. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not drunk. They ain't got nothing on me. (laughs) Yeah. You, it's almost like you're so used to being in trouble and doing fucked up things that when you get sober and that's not there anymore, it's so hard to get used to. And that was the thing, like with the bar industry, man, it was like the normalization of drug and alcohol abuse was so fucking ridiculous. It's super normal. Like everyone's just like, Oh yeah. No, I was just out last night doing a bunch of fucking cocaine and drinking and partying till five in the morning. I came to work and I feel like shit. And it's like, or they would be like, I feel like shit. I think I have a cold. I was like, no, dog, you fucking stayed up till six in the morning doing cocaine drinking. I don't see how, like, like, yeah, I was ripping and running for a while. But, like, I just don't see how people can have it in them to drink all night get high on coke, stay up, go to work and do it all over again. And and nobody, and it's like, nobody says anything. It I, almost got to the like, point. It was kind of weird that you and I weren't drinking at work. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it was like to the point where it was like, why the fuck am I even here? Yeah. Because this isn't my life. And like, this isn't like, I mean, we never really hung out with anyone outside of work. Maybe like a fucking staff party and go tubing, but like other than that, it's like you, me, and Elliot, and it wasn't even like, oh, we're better than everyone else. It's just like I just don't see anything in that life that makes me was, happy. No, I was we were just on different frequencies than everyone else, mm-hmm. and it was like, y'all want to go out and like party and shit. That's cool, have fun, but you're also like, you're not fucking twenty two anymore. Like, we did that. Like yeah, I, I got my, you know, when when you go through it when you really, really, really go through it where your life's about to end, like you don't have the desire to do that anymore. Like no. I've had my fun. Yeah, I had the I had the fun reckless days and like now I'm like to the point where I like like I wanna I want to have if I were to die, I want there to be something left of me on this earth, not just a fucking story about a night I got drunk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so I want like like with your music, like with my woodworking shit, like I want there to be a product that like can live longer than I can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I want something, I want to bring something useful and like good to the, the earth, not just be a fucking virus that just sucks the life out of it. <laughs> like, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to be condescending or seem like I'm roasting people. Like it's bart- not everyone yeah, either. It's like if bartending is your craft and like that's what you want to do, cool. But if it's fulfilling you, yeah. fine, dude. Like it's good. Like, but being around a lot of that, and I didn't really feel like it affected me being like I'm triggered. I want to get high. It was more just like ultra depressing and like it was sad watching people yeah. literally waste their fucking lives in a bar and make the same mistakes. Like I and we made these mistakes and we learned from them. But I'm like I'm watching and also like, made those mistakes when I was 21, not 40. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And you're seeing these people, and that's what made me snap out of it the other day. I was like, the whole idea that like, oh, I'm here to make money. I'm doing art on the side, and it's like in reality, I'm going to this job. I'm up all night. Um, I'm pissed. I'm tired. People aren't coming in, so you're bored. And you're like, I just stood around for nine hours. And then you get off work. You go home. 
You can't sleep. Then when your days off come, you're so fucking exhausted from this yeah. that you it's hard to maintain like relationships with people. Dude, my my relationship with her got a thousand times better once I quit the fucking bar job. Mm-hmm. Because I was finally coming home at a like normal time. Yeah, like we had a life. Like we had time to go do shit as a couple. Like not me getting home at fucking four in the morning covered in syrup and shit and like Your body hurts. Yeah. And like there's it was so unfulfilling. Like and there's no like there's no feedback. You know what I mean? Like it was just like I gave like now when I get home from like working a day, I'm just tired physically. I'm not mo- emotionally exhausted. Yeah, and you're and, and it gets to the point where you're at a job like service industry, it turns into this thing where it follows you from work to like you're talking about it on your off days and you're like bitching about it and you're just like, Why am I like why am I doing this? Be, the money's good, I mean I guess, but like is it is it good enough where you just well, waste your fucking life, you know? There was one point where the money outweighed the bullshit and then like there started becoming a point where the money was not outweighing the bullshit and it was not worth it anymore. Yeah. And that was like the final fucking point. Cause I talked about leaving for fucking years now. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this shit forever. And then I finally found a craft where I'm like, when I get done with something, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like I just made a dope ass fucking like piece. Like it fine. It came together all that hard work and I have something to show for it. And then, the reception I get from when I hand people like the pieces that they commission off me. And then they're like, they're like, fuck dude, this is amazing. I'm like, thank you. And then they use it every fucking day, like the cutting boards and like tables and stuff. You, it started off with you making, you made me a bottle opener and a stand for my synthesizer. And I know that you, I knew that you had talent, but then when I actually started seeing it and I think like that would have been one of the saddest things ever. If like 10 years from now, you're still, working in a bar and you actually have skill and talent and you're just like wasting wasting because it's like your music too man it's like you gotta at some point you just have to fucking take the gut punch of mm-hmm. like like especially with the money wise yeah you're not gonna make a lot of money in the beginning but you're gonna eventually it just goes back to like that basic training shit it's gonna suck but then it just becomes normal yeah and then once the sucks over and you're like fuck yeah dude like i have a fucking business or like I'm an artist, like, people listen to my fucking music, people, like, are constantly, like, calling me for commissions, like, I can't even keep up now, I'm like, I barely just started this shit, and I don't even, fuck, honestly, I'm head, like, head underwater with, like, shit, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm gonna fucking try, and, like, if it works, it works, and if it doesn't work, I'm gonna keep trying. It's just that first step and i and it took me so long because you were the first but like i would always try to rationalize it being like well i shouldn't quit during the holiday season this is when we're gonna make money i should wait till i have this amount of money saved up and you keep building these excuses and you just get to the point where you're like no i'm here but when you finally make that step and you can't take it anymore and you just say fuck it like you immediately go i'm an idiot for not doing this sooner yeah, I feel better for real. Like, I feel so good right now. I'm. If you want to like work in the bar industry and the service industry, more power to you. That's your choice, and it is a craft. I'm not gonna lie. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. It just wasn't for me. It wasn't for us because we didn't drink and we didn't want to be. I didn't want to be a part or, of it. But like, yeah, it and was, like it was a stepping stone. Alcohol almost alcohol ruined my life for a while, and like 
I wouldn't want to sit there and fucking facilitate shit that almost ruined me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that anymore. It's funny. At fir- it was funny at first, like, oh, we're sober and, like, we would joke about it. But then, like, there's those nights where it's slow and you see the regulars or people come in and you're just leaning back and there's no work to do. And you're just looking around and you're just like, this waste. This is just depressing. Yeah. It's this a waste. Just, you're in a dark room with no windows. And the same playlist for three fucking years. The same playlist. Literally get off at 4 a.m., you get home, can't fall asleep till 7, and mm-hmm. you wake up an hour before work and go back in, and you're there again like you never left. Yep. And it's the same people coming in. And it's, you're, it's and the only thing you have to look forward to is getting a pop to make a little bit of money, but the pop is awful because you have drunk people. And, it's, and it just got worse this year. The, the only thing I would look forward to is at the end of the night closing so I could listen to podcasts and driving home in silence. And that's why I'm like, this is... What kind of life is this? What kind of life is that my exciting part is driving home alone at night? Yeah. <laughs> I live 30 minutes away, bro. There was nights I didn't even turn on the fucking air conditioner. I would just drive home, windows up, no radio. Sweating. Just make it home, and I would be like, I don't remember anything from that drive. And I would just be fucking like, ugh. Like walking. You're just, ugh. Well, that was what we used to do. We, you and I got to work early, and you'd sit in your car, and I'd come lean against it, and we were both just looking at each other, like, "Why? Why are, like, you why fucking are we doing here? this? I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to get the fuck out of here." And it's like, even though I have, I could say a lot of shit about our job. It's not specifically one place. It was like all the bars I worked in were the every same. one of them. Every one of them. You have eventually the time runs out on the fun tech. Like the fun clock runs out. Yeah, and and it's also like not to sound shitty, but it's just like. Most of the people I didn't even want to be around. Like, I didn't, I, I got along because they're coworkers, but it's like, we don't have the same, I like. We don't have the same outlook on life. Yeah. And people would, like, get excited about things, and I'm like, uh, I'd rather, honestly, be home, like, watching fucking YouTube video right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was the thing when we got laid off the first time. I was like, man, this is kind of sketchy. And then the first unemployment check hit, I was like, this ain't that bad. And then we were talking to her on the phone being like, this is so, this is so nice. <laughs> I'm like, And then I ended up, I mean, the unemployment money, dude, everyone else was wasting on booze and alcohol. And I'm like, I built an entire fucking wood shop. Like, I built a studio. Yeah. I like, I built something to help me further myself in a craft. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing going into woodworking. But I ended up, like, my sister bought me books. My parents bought me books. Fucking, my girlfriend got me YouTube Premium, so I never had to watch ads on any of the videos I was trying to learn shit on. That was my birthday present with YouTube Premium subscription. Fucks. Every Fucks. fucking day. Every, anywhere. <laughs> Check this out. For If anyone hasn't seen Alex's woodworking, it was one of those things where when I was interviewing Elliot and he told me he was a musician, you're kind of skeptical at first, but Alex... I knew based off working with him and seeing him do things, he knew what he was doing, but he sent me, I'm actually sitting in front of it right now is he built a table. And when he sent me the pictures, I thought he was fucking with me at first because (laughs) let me explain what I'm looking at right now. What kind of wood is this? That's spalted pecan. That's a fancy bitch. So this is the heartwood from a pecan tree. Those are the bullets that were shot into it. The based on the rings, those were shot into it when this was a really young tree. This tree was maybe like twenty or thirty years old when it was shot. Uh, 
all the concurring rings that come out here, this tree ended up being about 200 years old. And then this is the spalted part. Uh, spalt, these are like pieces of a, uh, it was infected. So this is mold that was eating away at the tree. So that's what spalting is. So this is the sapwood. This is the young part of the tree, and that's the spalting, and then that's the live edge from it. So there's a giant, uh, it's an, what is this called? A, a, it's like a uh, epoxy. No, I mean like it's like canoed. It's oh, like, I can't think of the word. A river. Yeah. So he filled it with bullet casings that he hand polished all of them. So they're yep. shiny as fuck. He even hand polished the bullets that were already shot in the tree. So everything looks like gold, right? Yeah. Which, when you told me, I was like, how'd you get them shiny? You're like, I did it each one by one. Which, how many? There's like 100, 200? Yeah, there's about 200 in there. (laughs) How long does it take you to polish a bullet? Uh, Like, about 10, 15 seconds each. I mean, that's still a lot of work. I mean, all you do is you stick a piece of wood inside the bullet shell, and you have a buffing wheel going around, and you're just like, shine it, throw it in a bucket. He filled. This took me like two weeks. He filled the river with it. So basically it's a flat table and then the bullets are filling a, a chunk that's missing and then you epoxy the whole thing. So it's like clear and, and it looks like the only word I can use is delicious. <laughs> Scrumptious. It looks amazing. Um, so when you sent me this, I was like, fuck. And I jokingly said, not jokingly, I kind of just like one time I was like, Hey man, I've, I've been looking at these synthesizer stands off online i want one and you're like can do you have the blueprint and i went on uh, you went on etsy and found it literally built that shit in a day it fit perfectly and then you're like <laughs> flip it upside down and you had burnt my logo into the bottom <laughs> yeah <laughs> hand, uh i hand sketched it too i was looking at a picture of your logo and hand sketched it yeah dude it's it's amazing so i'm really happy that you're doing this you oh, need go- to hurry up with your Etsy shop, bitch. I, I dived in fucking deep, bro. <laughs> I was like, once I bought, once I started buying like $600 power tools, I was like, damn, bro, this is a fuck. I'm going in the deep end. Well, it's, I, so. I still have your guitar. Shit's pearl pink. Hell yeah. I, can't <laughs> I need to do the fretboard still. When, when, when did you realize this is what I think I'm going to do? Or this is my, this is my shit. I. I was sitting in here in like March, March or it was April. And I had like the shitty Ikea coffee table that was like falling apart. And I was like, fuck this coffee table, dude. I'm just going to go build a different one. So I started grabbing all the scrap wood out. I bought a piece of plywood and I bought some like, like one by fours. And I just like, I used whatever tools my dad had at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to build a real simple coffee table. And I built it and that was a blue one. That like bright fucking blue. I thought I bought black stain. I ended up buying blue. <laughs> Shit was bright blue. I was like, fuck it, bro. Send it. <laughs> and uh, I did that one. And I was like, that was actually pretty like fun and rewarding. So the next thing I built was that desk with the red oak and the hairpin legs. And I was like, I just need a different gaming desk because I had you this. built that one too? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, I built that plant stand as well. Nice. <laughs> By the way, you know, so this is the first time I've ever been in Alex's apartment, and everything in here looks like it was furnished out of like fucking IKEA or something like some fancy ass place. So I didn't know he built like the majority of this furniture. <laughs> yeah, no, like all those plant stand, like the big step plant stand, the like the crutch plant stand, that cat scratching post that's mounted to the wall. Damn. Uh, the shoe rack. 
You just point at my dick. You're like, I built your dick. I built your dick, too. <laughs> Surprise. It's hardwood. Uh, the keychain holder. I still use the bottle opener you made me every day. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. It's a bottle opener with a fucking K-barb handle. Yeah, hand, uh, that was the first thing I turned on a lathe. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. That shit was scary as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh. Yeah, but after that, like, after the first table, I was like, that was kind of rewarding. And I built the desk, and I was like, hell yeah, I made a desk. And then I was like, what the fuck? And then I built this coffee table, because I didn't like the blue one anymore. So the blue one's in the room. And then it just, like, progressed. And then I want to say you were the first person that commissioned me. And it was for that, the synthesizer stand. I paid you for that. Yeah, you paid me like 45 bucks. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. That yeah, was when we were getting unemployment money. I lost yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you paid me for that. And then then I ended up making a dog bowl holder. And then I ended up making a a changing, like a diaper stand. Like a three-tiered like end table for uh, diapers and shit mm-hmm. for a family that just had a baby. And then like shit just started kicking off. And like I made I made her cutting board when we first started dating. And then she posted a picture of it. And then, like, other people wanted a cutting board. And then I started, like, making cutting boards. And people fucking love these cutting boards. I'm going to go. I'll go grab the other one I made her, too. Holy shit. Damn. So there's. Are these, like, all different colors? Yeah, they're all different types of wood. So the the dark ones are walnut. The red ones are paddock. Paddock, however you want to say it. The end pieces are. Uh, mesquite and then these pieces are cherry <laughs> all right so once again <laughs> since you can't see what this looks like everything he's showing me looks like something you would see in a high-end place going this like cutting board would probably sell for like 150 bucks probably easily yeah easily like jesus how did you even do this i don't even see <laughs> it's like completely smooth how the fuck do you put the wood together and it's like stuck together uh you get them, I cut the pieces about half an inch mm-hmm. thicker, glue them up this way, so you have just this giant block of wood, and then I end up cutting the ends off, chamfering the corners, rounding off the top, and then running it through a planer, and the planer gets it down to, like, perfect level. So that's why it's, like, a seamless transition over and over, and then you just sand the fuck out of it. Well, when I get my own house, I'm going to get a cutting board now. <laughs> And then, dude, it's like, and it's not just a fucking square. It's like, it's, it's got like dimension. Yeah. It's got dimensions to it. And it's like smooth. It, like shit even smells good, man. <laughs> it's like breaking bad when Jesse makes the fucking box. The blue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this is truly amazing, man. I'm really proud like, that you're, you know, doing this. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you fucking quit too. I want to listen to your next album now. <laughs> Oh man, like no, I was definitely inspired by you. I I was seriously um I was I I do get I get emotional by myself, but I remember you driving off and I just felt bad. I just felt bad. Like I cuz people don't know I worked all my shifts with you. Yeah, every, I've been doing this for years. We've been the- Three years. Three years. Solid. And towards the probably halfway, th- 
maybe second or all of the third year, second year of that's when we really started working together. So when you left, I was like, Bruh. I was pretty fucking emotional leaving that night. I was like, damn. Yeah, this sucks. I, didn't want, I don't want to say I wasted my time there because it was a good learning experience. And like the relationships I built with like you and Elliot, I'll fucking cherish forever. Daniel and LB too. But there's a time for everything to end. And it was... We, we basically... I would say when the bar flood happened, that's when all of us should have left. I felt like... We were at a job. It was fun. We were making money. We learned things. And then we just got comfortable. And, and then, then we should have left then, but we didn't. And yeah. that was when it just it's all. Just like gambling. We should have left when we were up. Yeah. <laughs> we And we stayed way too long. Yeah. And that's my thing with jobs is I always do that. I stayed at UPS like five years. I hated it. Like I stay at jobs because you're comfortable and you don't want to get out of the box and be like, oh, I got to meet new people and do this. But like, holy shit yeah it was once i started like doing the shit for myself and working on my own timelines it's it's stressful but it's also like there's no one else to blame but myself if things get fucked up Mm -hmm. and like i mean i still have the other job like the supplemental income because like shit you know not a lot of people have money right now to be buying custom woodwork shit but rich people fuck yeah and they do buy some good shit i just (laughs) All right, let me me explain something. I don't talk my friends up. If they put out trash, I'll tell them it's trash. trash I won't talk about it. The thing with Alex, he's been doing all along. There's the shelves. Whoa. I'm telling you, it's like, I can't, I don't even want to say Ikea because Ikea is cheap, but something like that. Imagine like Vincent Van Gogh painting something and then being like hey let me sell this for ten dollars alex would always make these crazy things that look like you would see like a rich person's house and then be like like this table this table could probably sell for like six hundred dollars honestly oh i'd sell it for like eight hundred yeah like and he one time i think one time you said something like i'll sell for like maybe 120 bucks (laughs) and like and and it's I don't know, man. You She's got on my ass about that. She's like, you need to yeah. start charging people real prices. I'm like, all right, I will. <laughs> you can sell you know, like this stuff. You can tell you've put work in. And my dad always told me that when he would, um, he was doing home repairs. He'd make me work with him. And even though I had been with him for years, he would always like, come watch me do this. And I'm like, I know he's like, listen, he's like, this might seem easy to you now, but he's like, you can be charging rich people. Oh, like up. he's like plumbers. Yeah. Plumbers get paid like $50 an hour, bro. My, like, my to go dad, in there and pump a sink. Yeah, my dad would be painting and he would give me the fucking bleach spray and he's like, go pressure wash this driveway while I'm painting. And I'm like, this is easy as fuck. He's like, yeah, but he's like, a rich person don't want to do it. They'll pay you. And like, so yeah, it's, and he would always tell me too, because when I started to kind of do my own version of that when I cleaned houses, he's like, he's like, always charge more than you think. He's like, because if you charge someone cheap, and you start doing it, and you're gonna regret it, and you're gonna feel shitty. So just, yeah, that's how uh, that's how he treated me with the mantle shit. He was like, "Don't give me friends and family prices. Charge me like you charged me." And I was like, "All right, well, I need a two hundred dollar deposit for materials." And then once I did all the math, I even think I undercharged him, but it all ended up coming out to like six hundred. Mm-hmm. And that was me like installing and doing everything, which probably should have charged like seven, but six was the number I settled on. 
It, I will say it was always hard with friends and family because you're low key like <sighs> I'm still gonna give you the friends and family. Yeah, you know, like, like yeah, it's just not go. It's not a twenty five percent discount. It's ten percent. <laughs> but if you were some motherfucker out in B Cave, <laughs> I'm charging you fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not even putting that much effort into it at that point. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like I said, I'm looking around the room right now. This shit is amazing. Thank you. It's, it's really good. All I see is the defects. <laughs> hey, but that's, that's the part that's, of the craft. That's what happens when you do. I, I the same thing Everybody. when I listen to music, like some sound that no one's gonna notice. Yeah. Like some tiny, like you're maybe like, like a pop, and you're like the fucking metronome. Yeah. I can hear it too much. It's too fucking loud. The snares over. Yeah. Like just the random like. I see it and it bothers me, but that's what I think that's what makes your craft good mm-hmm. is if you no one's going to be more critical of you than yourself. So mm-hmm. if you if you are so critical of yourself, then you put out good shit because you don't let dumb shit get away. And you just start to if you start to settle and just and that's yeah. what happened at these these jobs are working. You yeah. just kind of just settle in. You're like, I don't. Yeah, you just see it. You get complacent. And there was one thing we always said in the army is complacency fucking kills. Because once you get complacent, that's when they're going to get you. I'm just, facts. The second you get comfortable, that's when they're going to hit you. Every fucking time. And every time you get comfortable, you get hit. This has been the Yak Back Podcast, presented by Anytown Records. A special thanks to AJ for discussing his life with me. Stay tuned for more future interviews.